Everybody, Angela Bowen here, the host of Together We're Gonna Find Our Way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. How's everyone doing today? It's Monday, I know, but hey, if you're out of school, it doesn't really matter if it's Monday or not, right? <laughs> I mean, you got the whole summer. Uh, for me, though, it's back to the grind, back to the job, and then I get a week off after this. For the holiday, which is awesome. So I'm definitely going to be working on podcasts and stuff like that. Because after that, then it's going to be time to be uh, getting ready to go on my trip. So I'm really excited about that. Today, I will be talking about Season 3, Episode 6, entitled, I Won't Dance. This episode aired on November 4th, 1984. Rick fixes his grandfather up with his teacher. Oi. This episode's got a 7.4 out of 10, based on 18 ratings. So who plays his teacher? Barbara Billingsley, Mrs. June Cleaver plays his teacher oh my goodness wow this will be interesting i'm already it's seeming like this episode might look up just the the idea at first i don't know but i'm like really this will be kind of cool kind of cool what if we get any leave it to beaver references this episode was directed by Jack Shea, writers David W. Duclan, the creator, Ron Levitt, Michael G. Moy, also the creators, Ben Starr, the creator, Martin Cohen, the creator, and Howard Leeds, the creator, and Stephen Pritzker. This episode was written by. Of course, before I officially get into the episode, I'd like to let you know, if you don't already know, where you can go to follow along with the podcast. You can go to Facebook at Together We're Gonna Find Our Way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. Or if you've been following along with the Punky Power, Punky Brewster podcast, you can just, you know, stay where you're at because you're going to get all your Silver Spoons information as well. And, of course, if you've been on the internet, if you're a diehard Punky fan like myself, you know there is a reboot of Punky Brewster coming up with Soleil Moon Fry. Or actually, it's not so much a reboot as a sequel. So I'm looking forward to that. And I will cover it. I'm... However, it's gonna, it's gonna happen regardless. I don't care. I just pray that they don't put it on one of those apps that you have to pay for. Like CBS.com or... or well, it was an NBC show, so I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I don't know if this is something that they'll film all the episodes and then just release it all in one, like they do on Netflix. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure how this is going to go. I bet if they put it on Netflix, it would definitely... Oh, it would definitely get a... I mean, not that it won't 
get a lot of viewers because you know that it will. But anyway. Um, also, Twitter at the Punky Power PB Podcast slash Silver Spoons Podcast. And Instagram at Silver Spoons Pod. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at Silver Spoons Podcast at gmail.com. All right, I want to give a shout out here to some podcast listeners for the week. We have Reno, Nevada, Mountain View, California, Partyville, Wisconsin, Los Angeles, California, Chicago, Illinois, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Lake El Senor, California. I'm sorry if I butchered that. We have Sheboygan, Wisconsin, Park Hills, Missouri, Hampshire, Illinois, Hyattsville, Maryland, Sydney, Florida, Clifton, New Jersey, Buffalo, New York, Cordova, Tennessee, Germantown, Tennessee. Oh my goodness. Moscow, Russia, Ambridge, Pennsylvania, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Westbridge, Westbridge, Water, Massachusetts, Massachusetts, Seattle, Washington, Muskegon, Michigan, Sacramento, California, Jenison, Michigan, Poland, Madison, Wisconsin, Brazil, Indonesia, Netherlands, Palmdale, California, Everett, Washington, Farmington, Missouri, Larchmont, New York, Fairfax, Virginia, Chelsea, Massachusetts, Lansdowne, Pennsylvania, Bronx, New York, and Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. Thank you all for listening to the podcast, guys. I'm hoping that you're enjoying it. You're having a good time. I'm making you laugh. I'm cheering you up. I'm just having fun with these shows, you know, talking about them, describing them. Just, it, it's fun. And like I've said in the past, I've only seen a few episodes of maybe even, you know, season one of Silver Spoons. So all of that, that I, you're basically almost like it's you're watching it with me be, for the first time. Because I've never seen this. So all the reactions I have... These are all fresh reactions for me because I don't know what's going to happen from one scene to the next. So, and that's what I like about this. It's not a it's not a rewatch because I guess I've never seen it before. So this is fun. I'm really having a great time with this, guys. Like I said, if I didn't like podcasting, I wouldn't be doing this. If I got bored with this, I would not be doing this anymore. I just, I'm liking that I'm going down new avenues with different shows, and you guys are listening because you're enjoying, hopefully, me or the content, so thank you. Thank you so much. Alright, let's get into I Won't Dance. You know, like I said last week, this sounded like an Alfonso episode because it has dance in the title. We know that Alfonso is a big dancer. There is an episode later on in season three that comes up where he's like, not his schooling is not going great because he's spending all his, all his time dancing and everything. And there's a dance competition. So, um, yeah. Um, I've even said, if you've listened to me for a while, even with Punky Brewster, you guys, or even if you listen to the Wonder Years podcast, which I also 
do. I've covered all of Wonder Years. You guys know when holiday episodes come up, I don't do them until the actual month of the holiday. That's how I roll. It's more special that way. That way you're in the mood. I mean, no one wants to hear a Christmas episode in July or June or a Halloween episode in May. No way. I got stuff planned for, like, the holidays, guys. Don't you worry. I actually managed to pick up those two Olsen twin movies that I always hear people talking about. The Double Double... Oh, shoot. I don't know. Double Double Toil and Trouble. The the Halloween Olsen twins movie. I thought that'd be kind of cute to do. And then, of course, to Grandmother's House We Go. I got these off of Amazon for, like, less than ten bucks a piece. So, yeah. Uh, I had such a busy day that yesterday. I took on a giant, enormous plan of just changing stuff around. So, I have so many books on the floor. Like, t- stats of books that if you touch them, they're going to tip. So I really am with me and uh, Jeremy, you know, possibly moving down to Texas next year. And, of course, we're going to go from a house to being in an apartment for a bit. But I really got to downsize with the books. And it sucks because I love to read. I really haven't been able to read as much because I've just been so focused on podcasting. But, um... (laughs) Some of these books I'm looking at, and I got some of these literally like three to five years ago and have not, if I've opened them, I've tried to get into them and can't. And I think I need to cut the cord with some of them, just say, I'm sorry, you've been on my shelf. And some of them I may even have on my nook, so it's like I could still read them, but then again, I could also just take them to like Schuler's and see what I can get for them and then maybe get, you know, something else that I really, really want. And then so read it on my nook or whatever. But, And I've noticed that, you know, stuff that's been here for, like, close to three to five years, I don't know if I'm really, am I still into fantasy? Am I still into dystopian? Like, I know I'm going to reread Hunger Games, that series, maybe next year before the prequel comes out. But it's just, as you get older, your taste in reading change. And it's like, over the years, I get all these books, a lot of it is probably based on what the booktuber people on YouTube, like Jesse the Reader, they recommend, like, oh, I got this book, I'm like, I have that book, I need to get that book, everyone's talking about how good it is, and then it sits on my shelf for five years, unread and untouched, so... I, yeah, I just, I, and I, uh, all of our movies, our Blu-rays and stuff, I'm like, okay, I'm taking all of Jeremy's stuff and moving it into the living room and putting all of my books in the family room, and it's just, it's, it's a big thing that I took on that I'm really gonna have to do something with these books today because if London's hopping around, I don't want these stacks of books to follow my rabbit or Quinn for that matter. So, and all my Funko Pops, my Harry Potter Funko Pops are all over the place. So, that was that was my yesterday, and I managed to take some stuff to Goodwill. So, guys, I support Goodwill because I used to work there, and I know what it's like. So, please don't judge. 
I'm also going to take some books to my local library. Some kids books just because they sell them really cheap to kids. Like for like a quarter or something. And I just thought it's a great way to get back to my library. Even though I don't use it as much as I used to. But I would find some really awesome reads at the library. Awesome to the point that they're the ones that... I mean, I have my own reads that I love here, but I find some real gems, some real diamond in the rough type books at the library. And I love them to the point of, I'm going to buy them because I want to share that experience. I want someone else to read them and that someone else is usually Jeremy's mom. So, you know, she and I have something to talk about. She is a week away from retiring, guys. She almost done. I'm so happy for her. She finally can just finally, I told oh, Jeremy, I mean his dad's retired. I'm like, at least you know, Jeremy, at least one of our you know, some of our parents get to retire. My dad never really got to. But, alright. Let's jump into this and find out how this is going to go. Because how long after Leave it to Beaver was over because this is still 1984. It's almost getting to the, to the... Season 3 is getting towards the end of 1984. We're going to be... End, it's November 4th, 1984. And, um, oh, um, and I'm going to be skipping over uh, episodes 7 and 8 because that is a Thanksgiving episode. And we're going to jump to season... Or, bleh, to episode 9. What's the Call of the Wild? that noise oh that's just okay that's London kind of like uh, scraping the bottom of his cage I, at first I'm like what is that noise um but yeah then we get a return of Evelyn in the the next episode season 3 episode 9 but I want to look at I want to look at Barbara Billingsley and see what exactly she did real quick oh she passed away well not quite 10 years ago she's going to be 95 this year well, I mean, she would have if she were still alive. Um, wow, what was she in? Oh, she was. She remember um the TV movie in '97, The Leave It to Beaver. You know when they were doing all that like the movies of the old TV shows, Leave It to Beaver, Brady Bunch, stuff like that. Yeah, she was in an episode of Murphy Brown. She was in an episode of Bobby's World. But that's an animated show, so. <laughs> um, Empty Nest. Oh, yeah! She was Nanny in Muppet Babies! You could tell because you only saw, like, her striped socks. You never saw her face. And then, of course, someone, my friend was like, Oh, you want to know why they don't show her face? Because she's a combination of all the Muppets. What? <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> why? I even thought there's a sliver of truth to that. Hi, honey, I'm home. She plays June Cleaver. I think she was also in... Uh, what in the world? This is a weird... And it only lasted for 14 episodes. A 1950s American sitcom family participates in the sitcom relocation program and are transported to 1990s... Okay, that sounds interesting. I can see why it only lasted a season. Charlotte Booker... Uh, other people I don't recognize. Um, okay. It's 
Parker Lewis can't lose. She was Miss Musso's mother. Don't know. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the cartoon. New Leave It to Beaver. Holy cannoli. So that came out in 83 to 89. 101 episodes? Oh my good golly. She played June Cleaver in an episode of the Baby Boom TV show that aired in 88. I know she was in an episode of Roseanne. When they had all the TV moms from like uh, the Wonder Years. And they had, I think, uh, the lady... Was it Good Times or something? I can't or something. She was in two episodes. She played herself? In the Love Boat episode from 83 to 87. Well, if New Leave It to Beaver was on, then yeah. She played Joan Cleaver in Amazing Stories. Um, So, 84. Yeah, she was definitely in the New Leave It to Beaver. Still the Beaver. That's the TV show that must have went right into the sitcom. Mork and Mindy. Airplane. She was a jive lady in Airplane. Okay, so 57 to 63. Oh, wow. 235 episodes she played June Cleaver. And then she played uh, in 101 more as June Cleaver. And it's like she was really typecast as this woman will always be June Cleaver. So are the kids of that show the only ones that are still living? Like, what's his, what's his name? Tony Dow? Jerry Mathers? When did... 82, Hugh Bonabont, Beaumont, excuse me, who played the dad, passed away. He was 73. Uh, Jerry Mathers. Oh my gosh, look at this guy. Uh, He was born in 58. So if that's the case, then he's got to be... He's got to be 61. He just celebrated a birthday on June 2nd. Hey, the day after my dad's birthday. Cool. Um, So he's still going around doing his thing. Uh... Wow, so the guy who played Wally was only three years older than him. Wow, that's, and he's in his sixth. The guys, are, boys are still kicking around, so good for them. All right, guys, I've yammered enough. Let's jump into this episode. Let's see what June Cleaver has to offer Mr. Grandpa, Grandfather Stratton. I'm sure she's got lots to offer. She was on a hit TV show. So straight out the gate, the uh, Edward and Ricky are on the train. We always get an applause with the train. Ricky, of course, is wearing a soccer uniform, so I like that they're kind of keeping with the continuity that he's in high school. He's on the soccer team, which of course he is because he's awesome. We got Phil dressed like a pirate. I bet they continue this whole thing throughout the show with Phil. Unlike Joey's mannequin in Full House, they were always dressing the mannequin with whatever Joey was wearing. But they eventually did drop that. I think they have the mannequin down in his apartment, basement apartment. But when I you know, get to that, um, I'll definitely have to check that out. Why did he bring the soccer balls home with him in that bag? Unless he owns them. Maybe he supplies the team with new uh, soccer balls. He's like, well, these are mine. I'm taking them home so no one steals them. Oh, that sucks. They lost. Ricky, what happened? Who did what? Tubby Butterman? We get a Tubby Butterman reference? That kid's on your team? What? Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. 
But Ricky's just like, and Edward's like, there's nothing you can do. Tubby Butterman's on your team. I don't know what to tell you. Of course, we get a fat joke here, always with Tubby Butterman saying, oh, it's got to be hard to score, score when your goalie's belly's as big as the ball. Remember this movie Big Green and it had the kid who played Ham from The Sandlot? How funny that that kid was in two 90s sports movies. Patrick, is it Rena or Rena? He was also in Son-in-Law, which I do plan to cover that for the podcast. Of course, being it's raining, it's going to be on um, the Looking Back at My Wonder Years podcast. But yeah, that will be, I love Son-in-Law, it's so good, buddy. <laughs> and it, it just sucks how back in the day that this was considered the the norm to fat shame someone even though i don't think we ever see tubby butterman and the last time he was ever mentioned was i think it was season two episode one passport to pleasure when he was supposed to head rick's badger patrol meeting at that hotel room in um like chicago or wherever it was and edward ends up having to go because what, Tubby Butterman's basement is flooded or something like that? And whether they're stuck down there and they make a joke about how they'll have to, like, uh, probably eat their way out, all that Tetrazzini or whatever. Like, come on, man. I'm so happy that we are now above all of that garbage. Oh, there's that truck that Quinn hates. She's upstairs, so. But there's this, it's a street sweeper, and Quinn freaks out. Whenever she hears it. So luckily she's upstairs. She probably will go under the bed. I don't know. But it's actually an accident in front of our house yesterday. Our house is just like a block away from the light. And the light, the traffic light we have out here is utter garbage. Especially if you want to turn left. And being we're so close to the beach, you're getting a lot of beach traffic because that road... Um, Lakeshore Drive is being all torn up and redone. And that's meaning they, because it was raining, everyone was coming back from the beach and they're probably taking, you know, there's two different ways to go. So, of course, they're going to come up to our road that has a traffic light. Of course, because that traffic light on our side is so short, that green light doesn't last, you're going to get a line of cars like a half, a quarter of a mile long. And... Also, I we're in the living room, and I'm working on, you know, the movies, alphabetizing them, because, you know, I have to alph- alphabetize my movies. That's how it goes. All of a sudden, we hear that scream. <laughs> and I look at Jeremy, like, did somebody just hit somebody? And we're kind of looking like I don't see anybody, but we come into the kitchen, and we see, like, the line of cars is kind of dispersed and everything, but we see these two there, and I'm like, oh, jeez. And we didn't see anything, and no one came knocking on our door or anything, so it's like, that's not really our business, so we just kind of kept to ourselves, like, you know, we'd be, but, I mean, eventually they moved on, so. That sucks. And the thing is, it's rainy, so clearly somebody wasn't paying attention. I see driving so many people on their phones. Of course, that's... I I don't want to make assumptions, but anyway. Alright. No more fat shaming Ricky and Edward. Come on now, guys. It's 2019 now, even though it's 1984 then. Getting close to Thanksgiving time. 
So, Edward's idea to cheer Ricky up is to get a couple sodas and watch a Humphrey Bogart film. Ricky, of course, declines. Like, I'm sorry, Dad. At first, he's, I thought he was going to like, yeah, that's not really my thing. No, he's got to come up with an idea for his history project. Okay, so Edward's trying to pull off this Humphrey Bogart impression. Oi. That was a great game. Yeah, we should have won it. Oh, don't blame yourself. There wasn't anything you could do. Tubby Butterman was on their side. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's tough to score when the goalie's belly's bigger than the goal. <laughs> what do you say we get some sodas and watch a Humphrey Bogart movie? Sorry, Dad. I've got to come up with an idea for a history project. Yeah, I know. And if you don't do your homework, you'll regret it. Maybe not now, maybe not tomorrow, but truly. And for the rest of your life. That's great, Dad. Now do Bogart. <laughs> How come you're studying so hard? Do you know what you need on your scholastic aptitude test to get into a school like Harvard? You need 1,300 combined. You needed 2,000 to get into my alma mater, Aspen Junior College. I thought 1,600 was the best score possible. $2,000. That included lift tickets. I graduated at the top of my mountain. Dad. I'm sorry. Come on, what do you say I help you think up a project? Okay, now it's got to be on the, the history of American business in the 20th century. Ah. I want it to be spectacular. Mm-hmm. You should have seen Calvin Plotkins. What'd Calvin do? His topic was industrial revolution. He built a miniature assembly line using toothpicks, mice, and gerbils. Sounds like a real rat race. <laughs> Dad, history is not funny. I got it. We both know somebody who is the history of American business in the 20th century. Okay, actually, re-listening to that again. Okay, so Tubby Butterman was not on Rick's team. He was a goalie for the other team. And Rick was saying it's hard to school when the goalie is as big as the net. Or when his belly's as big as the net. Wait, well, I don't know what to tell you, Ricky. Should have went between the legs. So, yeah, Rick kind of uh, makes fun of Edward's Humphrey Bogart impression, which is clearly must be from Casablanca. And he's like, great, now do Bogart. (laughs) So, Ricky, and this is the first time that we hear about, you know, the SATs. We hear about Ricky wanting to get into Harvard, which I don't know if this comes back later on. And a history project about, like, uh, someone did one on the Industrial Revolution and business and stuff like that with gerbils and toothpicks and mice. And basically it was a um, conveyor belt type thing, like, almost like a, I don't know, battery type setting or something. So was he having the gerbils on the conveyor belt thing that he built? I I don't know. In my head... I just pictured gerbils or, like, some mice, like, standing, working at a conveyor belt. Not the I Love Lucy conveyor belt chocolate thing. Although, now that does sound kind of funny. But, um, just, like, working, like, you know, picking, you know, good part, bad parts out of good parts on a conveyor belt or something. But, no, he probably was having them on the conveyor belt. And maybe you, harnessing that energy of them running created electricity to create something. I don't know. Of course, Edward comes up with, like, we both know somebody of the Industrial Revolution. Your grandfather. And we cut to... 
Rick's grandfather in class. I bet the class is probably asleep. Some kid in there is wearing a suit, a, a tan corduroy looking suit jacket with a tie. He's the, oh, well, wait, there's someone that's wearing like a v-neck sweater with a collared shirt underneath, but this one kid with the tie is the only one that decided to dress up. From here, he looks like he could be a really young Jonathan Brandis, but I doubt it. I bet that kid in the tie is going to be the one to answer any question that Grandfather Stratton has. I'm going to play this clip of uh, John Houseman as Grandfather Stratton talking to the class. I'm going to wait for this dang sweeper to get out of here because it's loud and annoying. People often ask me, what is the secret of success in business? There is no secret. Business is the result of hard work. When others are playing, I am working. When others are sleeping, I am working. When I am sleeping, I am dreaming of working. Business is competitive, ruthless, and brutal, and I love it. Thank you. Well, that certainly was straightforward. Freeze! You will not stir a muscle until your teacher dismisses you. Why, thank you, Mr. Stratton. Class is dismissed. Great job, Grandfather. You're surprised? Your teacher has that rare combination of great, charming good looks and keen and brilliant intelligence. Yeah, but she gives a lot of homework. She makes me think of a teacher I once had a crush on. Her name was Lurch Turkey, and I've often thought of calling on her, but by now she'd be 114 years old. Mr. Stratton, thank you for a lively presentation. My pleasure. It was Richard's idea. You know, I still can't believe that a man who was on the cover of Time magazine spoke to our little class. I like to maintain my contacts with academia. And as to you, I was very impressed with you as a teacher. I was particularly impressed by the calm with which you faced that gerbil with the hard hat when he ran across the floor. That's been happening all week. Well, I shall probably return. Goodbye. Bye. I like how Grandfather Stratton takes control of that class as the bell rings. Those kids are like up and out of their seats. And he's like, uh, your teacher did not dismiss you. You will not move a muscle until she does. And the teacher kind of looks at him like, with a raised eyebrow. Like, hmm. And she dismisses the class. And Ricky comes over and says, you know, yeah, she's a nice teacher, you know, after his grandfather compliments her and everything. He's, he's like, yeah, but she gives us too much homework. And grandfather's infatuation with the teacher 
it's kind of based on he had a, a crush on his teacher, which again we all did. I had a crush on my fifth grade teacher, and it ended in a way that I should have not acted on. I didn't act on him. I um I didn't do anything like that. But uh, I let's just say I should have made better choices when I was twelve. Yeah. But yeah, he had a crush on his teacher, something Larch or something. <laughs> and yeah, Barbara Billingsley is definitely she's she's grandma to uh, Beaver and Wally's kids now, because she's on that new Leave It to Beaver show, and she has such poise and such grace with which she she moves and speaks and. And he is, he's attracted to that. And I think, yeah, his infatuation is purely that of remnants of that crush that he had on his teacher. So that's kind of like, huh. And he, he, and she says, I've, we've never had anyone in here. I mean, the fact that you were on the cover of Time magazine. And he commends her on how... She handled that gerbil with the hard, or hamster or gerbil with the hard hat on. So he picks up his bowler hat and says, we will meet, basically we will meet again, like until I see you again or something like that. And yeah, he's smitten. He is a smitten tiger. I call him a smitten kitten, but no, he is a ruthless tiger. And in that speech, he was saying how, while other people were sleeping, I was working well playing, I was working. Basically work, 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 work. He's all about the work. He's all about the hard work. So I'm going to play this clip as Rookie, of course, stating the obvious here. Like, oh, you like her, huh? He's like, well, yes. She has grace. And Rick's like, did I mention that she's uh, not married? So she's probably widowed. She's a widow, probably. So yeah, Rick's got a handy. He's going to hook that up. He's going to hook his grandpa up. You like her, don't you? Well, she has very stately grace, yes. Did I mention she's not married? I assume that, or she would not be called Miss Button. <laughs> you could ask her out for a date. A date? Yeah, and take her out to a movie. The last movie I saw was in 1940, Boomtown. <laughs> Come on, ask her. What's the worst that could happen? Well, I could suffer massive rejection and total humiliation. Is this the man whose personal license plate says crush him? <laughs> I suppose I could ask her to dine with me tonight. But I'm sure she's busy. Come on, Grandfather, ask her. Well, what am I going to lose? Yes. All right. restaurant in Manhattan that I'm seriously considering purchasing. It's important to me that I should obtain an objective view of the quality of the food in that restaurant. I thought perhaps you could supply that this evening. 
Mr. Stratton, are you asking me out for dinner? Affirmative. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I understand. Very short notice, and uh, you're busy, I'm busy. Uh, goodbye. No, it's just that tonight is my meeting in the Foxtrotters. The Foxtrotters? That's my ballroom dancing club. Last year, two of our members were runner-up in the Harvest Moon Festival. Well, that is very creditable. Goodbye. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night? I'd be delighted. <laughs> you and I will dine together tomorrow evening at the restaurant Castor. Oh, dear, isn't that very expensive? Oh, not very Around uh, two and a half million. <laughs> Let me just say, Grandfather Stratton knows how to charm a lady. He is all business. Even when it comes to asking someone out in such precise words. And she says, unfortunately, she can't tonight because she has her Foxtrotters ballroom dancing thing that she has to go to and then of course and grandfather automatically is like oh okay yeah I'm don't worry it's no big deal and then of course he goes over to Ricky and Ricky's like well what about tomorrow and grandfather's like tomorrow and of course the teacher hears like oh yeah tomorrow I'd be delighted and then he tells her what restaurant they're going to and she's like my isn't that expensive and he's like, about 200. No, what'd he say, 2 million? No. But of course they all have. I have never seen that man smile in my life. Or at least while covering the show. Good golly. And laugh? My goodness. He can smile and laugh in the same episode? <gasps> I am shocked. But this lady is bringing out something special in Mr. Stratton, grandfather. I like how he, like, excuse me, um, I like how he, like, Ricky gave him the banaka to, like, squirt in his mouth. And then he took it and, like, squirted some in Ricky's mouth. And he's like, <coughs> aww. Oh, we come back to the house. This is so cute. I love it when Edward and Kate do this lovey-dovey cuteness. He's reading a book, and she's kind of stretched out long, uh, lengthwise. Like, her feet are at one end, and she's just kind of resting against, uh, Edward's, uh, chest and lap. While she's, like, going through a magazine. It's so adorable! I love it! And she just looks at him gushing, like, oh, I could stay here all day, couldn't you? And Edward's like, no. Probably because maybe his legs are starting to fall asleep, because... Maybe that that weight. Not saying. I mean, Kate's not a big girl, mind you, or anything like that. But just anybody laying on somebody, that weight, your like legs are gonna fall asleep, or it's yeah. <laughs> but maybe that's not what he means. Yes, of course. As he says, my legs asleep. As he pushes her off and play this clip, <laughs> I knew it. There's a song, a country song. I can't remember the year. That it came out, but it's called Little Moments. I'm going to look it up. Hold on. 
Okay, so this song is by Brad Paisley. <laughs> and it's just so cute. <laughs> Let me uh, get to the end of the song. Um, when she's laying on my shoulder on the sofa in the dark, and about the time she falls asleep, so does my right arm. And I want to, so I want so bad to move it because it's tingling and it's numb. But she looks so much like an angel that I don't want to wake her up. Yeah, I live for little moments when she steals my heart again and doesn't even know it. Yeah, I live for little moments like that. This is a cute song, and I like how this scene just kind of mirrors that whole, you know, when you're in love and you're leaning against somebody and you're just really enjoying the closeness and the company. And then, of course, that person is like, I'm loving this too, even though my arm is falling asleep, but I don't want to move it because I don't want to break this spell that we're under. It's just... <laughs> but I want to play this clip because it's adorable. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, those of you that have been with someone before, even in the early stages, it's like you just love, like, hanging out, laying on each other. Back before Jeremy and I got that sectional couch, <laughs> I would take full advantage of wanting to stretch out and stretch my legs. And, of course, that's hard for Jeremy when he wants to put his laptop on his lap and use it. Because my legs are draped across his lap. <laughs> but now we have a sectional and we each get our own side, which is great because I gotta stretch out on a couch. I just, I can't be curled up in a ball. My legs cramp up too easy. Speaking of, I gotta find those compression socks. Because I only, I'm wearing those at work at least until my appointment at the BAME Restoration Clinic. And we'll see. I'm hoping I don't have to have the surgery where they got to go in and fix the veins or whatever. Because there's a lot of appointments involved. I don't even know how expensive that's going to get. And that, anyway, let's, I want to play this clip. Hmm. I love it when we're together like this. Oh, I could stay here all day. Couldn't you? No. <laughs> no. My leg's asleep. Oh. Ah. Whoa. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> 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 my God. So he kind of, the way that he's like, no, like he's visibly irritated. And I'm like, and she kind of takes it as like, oh, I'm sorry. He's like, no, like, my leg is asleep. So what does he do, of course? He gets off the couch, and I'm thinking, how long have you guys been in that position? Because he gets up, and immediately his legs start to wobble. It's like, dude, you are going to fall on your butt. I'm like, why don't you just kind of try to walk a little bit, but then go back and sit down and just, like, move your legs up and down to get the circulation and blood flowing back again. That's why at my job, I have to, like, lift my legs up from time to time because constantly my legs are, they're, I'm just standing in one spot and just moving my waist from side to side. So, and my legs, you know, with having put the weight on, I've been getting a lot of cramps in my legs lately and... 
everything like that. So that's why I just, I got to keep lifting them. I got to keep that blood flow and that circulation in my legs. Because I don't want to develop a blood clot. That's another reason I'm wearing those compression socks to kind of help with that. So Ricky comes down the stairs and he's like, hey, is grandfather here yet? And they're like, oh, no, not yet. So he decided to come there for the date. Probably so Ricky can check him over, make sure he looks good, smells good. But, I mean, he's got nothing to worry about. Grandfather's good. He's not been on a date in eons. I don't know how long he's been a widow for. Probably, like, 30-plus years. I don't know. Because I'm trying to think, when did his wife die? It's Abigail, right? I thought she passed when Edward was kind of young. Is he going on the dinner date with them? Because he's bringing in, like, different shoes. Because he's like, you know how grandfather is when I wear sneakers? Because Ricky's dressed up. He's got a nice blue button-down shirt. Or button-up shirt. Really sets off his beautiful blue eyes. And he's wearing, like, a... It's not so much a tan khaki. But maybe a, a, a darker... Like, moss green khaki, maybe? I don't know. So, Grandfather Stratton's got a motto that both Ricky and Edward know by heart. Gentlemen, dress like gentlemen. <laughs> so, Grandfather Stratton and Rick's teacher have been dating now for two weeks. And, of course, Ricky here wants and deserves the credit. He's like, well, thank you. And Kate's like, why am I thanking you? And he's like, well, excuse me, but if it weren't for me, I mean, come on now. I set them up. I put them in proximity of each other. And yeah. Granted, that, you know, was not the end game he was thinking of when his grandfather came to speak to the class. But... I mean, what is Ricky getting out of this other than the fact that his grandfather's actually happy and smiling and occasionally laughing? I mean, as a teacher, I mean, Rick's a good student, we know that. So it's not like he needs help with his grades, and it's not like that teacher would do anything about it even if he had poor grades and was dating, dating his grandfather. And he's, he's kind of taking the credit, like, what if they fall in love, get married... And have lots of... And then it kind of dawns on him like, oh yeah, they can't have kids. Uh, I mean, great times together. <laughs> and Edward makes a joke about, well, if he did fall in love, how would you know it? Look at Mr. Schnezzy. He's got a white top hat. A black cane. A really nice cream white scarf. Yeah, it looks nice. He's got, like, an ascot, too. He looks really pretty. I mean, nice. So, apparently, him uh, going steady with uh, Mrs. Uh, June Cleaver, because I can't remember her uh, character's name here, he's noticing the sun is shining, the birds are singing, and notices how absolutely radiant Kate looks when it seems like in the past he's just plain insulted her, even to the point of sp trying to split her and Edward up by sending her on a vice president job to California. Like, eh. So love, love's doing wonders in uh, grandfather's life. Oh, it's an orange handkerchief! Oh, handkerchief? Chief? Yeah. 
Rick's like, hey, grandfather, where are we going today? And he's like, well, it's such a beautiful day. I thought we'd go visit the Stratton Industries ball bearing factory. Okay. So Joni is, what, his nickname for the um, Rick's teacher? And Edward's like, oh, Joni, huh? You guys are on uh, nickname status, huh? And he's like, Miss Bugden. Okay, her, her last name is Bugden? Come on, writers, you couldn't have given her a clever name, like, Cleaver? <laughs> so Edward goes over, puts an arm on his father's shoulder, like, oh, father, tell us about your main squeeze, as he smiles. <laughs> and, of course, his father takes his arm and puts it down, back down at his side, like, please don't put your hands on me. Just because I'm in love doesn't mean that you can touch me however you want. We're n we're not close. This doesn't give you the right to just put a hand on my shoulder. So, yeah, he's like, she is not a squeeze. She is an intelligent woman. And I guess she keeps pestering him because, you know, she's part of that foxtrot thing. That's her one liability, is that she keeps asking him to dance. So I'm guessing that's where the episode title comes from. He's just not into dance. I thought he he seems like he would do like some type of ballroom waltzing dance. My guess is he can't dance because he calls it an absurd activity. And then he starts covering his mouth. Yeah, he can't dance. Oh, he was saying he, I don't know how. Are you telling me your wife, your deceased, dead-in-the-ground wife, never, ever got you to dance? I like his ascot. It's really cool. It's like, uh, orange-yellow, and it's got, like, it looks like palm trees on it. Okay, Ricky, that's a little bit of an advanced move for your grandfather is not going to learn how to do the moonwalk. But then again... He might surprise us. I don't know. Hey, that's always his go-to move is the moonwalk. Always does oh <laughs> afterwards, and you hear the audience just erupted. Oh, the teeny popper girls! All right, he's gonna try it now. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> that was funny. As he he kind of shuffles backwards very slowly at a glacier pace, puts his fingers up like ouch. <laughs> Close enough. Well, he attempted it, so. Okay, here we go. As Edward goes over to the jukebox and he puts on something a little more romantic. Now he's got Kate to kind of demonstrate how a man, you know, how they dance together, so. Well, so yeah, they could definitely cut a rug as he dips her. Aww. The audience is just like, ah! <laughs> they, well, they clap. And Edward's like, alright, what do you think? And... Rick turns to his grandfather like, you know, there's always Yahtzee. So Edward pulls his grandfather over, puts his grand or not his grandfather, his father. <laughs> puts his father's hand on his hip and holds his hand in his. He's like, I'll be the woman. It's like, no, have Kate do it. This he just sneers at Edward as he backs away, like, I don't think so. As Kate's like, why don't I be the woman? And she tells Edward to play something a little slower. So he's, yeah, he, she's giving him lessons. And it's, it's really sweet and it's cute. 
So Grandfather Strand's really getting into the dancing. Like, hey, this is easy because she's just instructing him, like, back, put your feet together, forward, side, so on and so forth. Basically, she said you're going to lead on your left and all that stuff. So he, he's really getting into it. And he, sa- he says to Kate that her perfume is absolutely overwhelming. And he's getting, like, really close to her face. And we cut to Edward, who's kind of like, uh... Father, can we please just stick to the dancing? Quack, 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 goes the phone. So, it's Joan, she's on the phone, and Grandfather Strand says that he sent a memo to her about dining with Gerald Ford and his wife, and apparently she can't make it because she has to judge a dance contest, and he gets a little irritated. Um... I don't think this is going to go well. Maybe she cuts it off with him. Like, this isn't, don't, no. And he's like, oh, I understand, I understand. And you see, you hear his voice, he gets so, so sad. Well, he's back to being grumpy, grumpy puss grandfather again. Looks like she kind of broke it off with him. Poor guy. But then again, if she's got something else going on, you don't belittle and say, oh, can't you get someone else to judge, like, dance contest like really he's been dumped well you know what you shouldn't have said that about uh like can't you get someone else to judge that dance contest it's like you know what you shouldn't have been like that why are we clapping he just looks so sad and downtrodden and we're getting applause and we cut to commercial come back and kate's like are you sure that she dumped you and of course Grandfather says, she says that it's not working out. Well, when you take an attitude with somebody, they're clearly going to back off and not want to have anything to do with you. Yeah, she said, it's not working and we shouldn't see each other again. Well, you know what? You were too gruff. You were too forceful. Too harsh. That's going to that's gonna turn people off. And, of course, Ricky's like, yep, that's a dump, all right, as he puts a... Understanding hand on his grandfather's shoulder, like, yep, yep, I, I, I know that. I know that feeling. And he says, I know how rough that can be. I've been there once or twice. And grandfather just kind of turns the chair to kind of gives Ricky a side eye, like, huh? And Ricky's like, all right, I've been there at least once. So Edward's like, I'm sure it's just temporary. And Ricky tells about his friends Bucky and Suzanne, who've split up like ten different times. Yeah, Grumpy Puss Grandpa is back. He is not having it. He's like, Joni, Joan and I are not adolescents, Ricky. Thank you for your story, but this is different. And then we hear this overly loud chirping of birds outside. And Grandfather's like, would those blasted birds shut their beaks? He just wants to wallow and sulk. So Edward actually kisses the top of his father's head and the look of surprise and disgust on his father's face as he immediately pulls away and looks at him like, what are you doing? So he's thrown in the towel. He doesn't want to have anything to do with her if she doesn't want to have anything to do with him. And they're like, it's too early to throw in the towel. Edward's like, there are these flare-ups that happen sometimes early on in a relationship. Just, Just don't give up. So he, he, uh, before he leaves and puts his hat on, he says about the, uh, musician that wrote the song lyrics, bang, bang, my baby shot me down. Now, I can only think of that from 
that Kill Bill movie. Didn't they hit? There's a song because Jeremy had gotten the soundtrack for his birthday, like over like fourteen years ago, and um, but that's probably not the version that he's speaking of. So now we come to the classroom, and she's telling the students, Joan is, to read chapter six on the Bill of Rights and you. And of course, we finally learn this boy's name, the one with the tie. He's wearing the same outfit. He must wear, he must have a billion different of the same jacket and ties and shirts. Like, I already read it. Where's Freddy? Where's Alfonso? Who is this little troll of a boy named, I can't remember, what's his name? His name is Calvin. He's like, I've already finished the book. He sounds like Freddy. But looks nothing like Freddy. He's like a brunette version of Freddy. Minus the glasses and blonde hair. Is there another text you can recommend? <laughs> As he's turning around in the phone. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm so smart. <laughs> like, shut up and sit down. Nobody's impressed, Calvin. Or should I call you Freddy Jr.? So the kid's name is Calvin Plotkin? Oh, he was in two episodes of the new Leave it to Beaver as Dylan Roberts. He was also in eight episodes of The Littles as Tom Little. He played Linus Van Pelt in You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Let's see. Also, he was in It's Flash Beagle, Charlie Brown. I don't know what that is. The Children of Times Square. What is this? It's a TV movie? An alienated teenage boy runs away from home and ventures to New York City where he falls in love with a gang of juvenile delinquents working as drug dealers. Good for them. Oh, you can apparently watch it if you have Amazon Prime. I won't be seeing that. Looks like utter garbage. A movie called Trash and he played Little Stevie. Just the ten of us, he played Steve. He was teenage friend in Baywatch, so maybe he was Hobie's friend. Laid an episode of Step by Step. Something called Pet Shop. Weird Science TV show. Malibu Shores. Christmas Carol. And the last thing he ever did was Van Wilder, freshman interviewee number two. Yeah, the kids are all like, sit down, Kevin, we hate you. So Ricky was sitting right behind Calvin, taps him on the shoulder like, hey, I have some advice for you. As he, Ricky stands up, he's wearing these red pants, which I like the color red, but not in pants form. That just, I don't know. And that's even sad for me to say that that might be a bit much red. But he's like, hey, I got some advice for you, Calvin. Go home, watch TV, and eat junk food. As in, act like a normal teenage boy and not a pod person. There's nothing wrong with being an achiever or a slight overachiever, but if you're rubbing it in people's faces, no one's going to like you, buddy, and no one's going to want to be your friend. And this is high school, Calvin! Odds are by the end of the day, your head is either going to be shoved into a toilet bowl or you're going to be stuffed in a locker, just like Ricky was on his first day. So she calls him Rick. I tend to, I tend to bounce between Ricky and Rick. Just he started out the series as Ricky, although people did call him Rick, but it's just hard to jump back, you know, either one or the other. Okay, well, 
she has to see Rick after class. She's like, that little outburst isn't you. You're normally not like that. And she, he says he's a little irritated because she shot down his grandfather. That is not your business. That is between them. So you antagonizing some doofy is not an excuse. That they're, her dumping your grandfather is not an excuse to rag on some kid. And she even, thank you. She says, I have no intention of discussing my personal life with a student. That's like, that's not your business. He may be your grandfather, but still, I'm, I'm the adult here. And Ricky's like, hey, does it say anything in the Constitution about dumping a grandfather? And she's like, well, I didn't even think he'd know that I was gone. And Ricky mentions that he was, uh, his grandfather was thinking of renaming his private Jet, the spirit of Miss Bugden, which is her last name. She says she likes, you know, his grandfather, but it's just he's so wrapped up in his business. It's like, he really doesn't seem like he has really time or so much as 100% interest in her. And of course, Rick's like, well, that's just the way that he is. And she says that she was willing to do what he wanted to do on their dates, which she says their last day included dinner... And drinks at a corporate takeover? That's a snooze and a half. And the thing is, yeah, she'd be willing to be, you know, continue to date him if he'd be willing to even give her an inch of interest in the things that she's interested in. Which is understandable. I mean, it's not like I'm going to say, Jeremy, I'll take an interest in your video games if you take an interest in my podcasting. But then again, I mean, how many times now has Jeremy driven me over three hours to go to the Holocaust Memorial Center at least a couple times? And that's a three-hour drive, you know, both ways there and back. And he does that even though that's not really his thing, but he does it because he cares and loves me. And wants to make me happy. Um, <laughs> but, and the thing is, I mean, I go out of my way to do special things for him. You know, I'll see something that makes me think of him. Like, I'll get him a t-shirt. I know that's not the same thing as driving three hours to some place. But, and to, I mean, yeah, I agree. I could be doing a little more. But, uh, I mean, Jeremy is the guy that just before we started dating, I made a list of books that were, like, my favorite books at the time. And he read them. He read those books. And he's not a reader. He's not a reader. And even I made a list of movies when we worked at the video store. Like, maybe a list of, like, maybe 20 movies or 25. And he, each time, would go in and cross off a movie. They weren't his cup of tea, but he watched them because he was interested and, and, and me and wanted to have something to talk about. And Ricky's like, are you kidding? My grandfather's a barrel of fun. It's like, really? Yeah, because you're his grandson. You're supposed to think that. But other people might be a little put off by his idea of a date. Which, a corporate takeover? Mm, that does not sound great. And the fact that he's like, kind of bragging about, like, oh, I'll take you to a I'll have to eat for a $2 million dinner. 
And her suggestion of, hey, let's go out and tackle a pizza. And then she does a great impression of John Houseman. Like, I don't eat food that you have to tackle. I I can't do it, mind you. But she can do it dead on. She's good. So her absolute favorite thing is dancing. And she's just like, he won't go dancing with me. But Ricky mentions like, well, that's because he doesn't know how. And he was afraid to tell you. Which... Yeah, if you're embarrassed if you can't do something that someone else is interested in, like, especially dancing. I mean, it seems like a lot of people are like, I can't dance, I won't dance. But sometimes, if you want to be with someone, it it's a give and take, in a way, it's just... You gotta be finding interest in something. Either something you're both interested in, but take interest in what their interests are. You may not like to, you know, uh, I don't know, go to the racetrack or anything like that, but that person might. You don't gotta go all the time, but maybe, like, just do it, you know, a couple times. And that just really floors his teacher, like, she's like, he's a very powerful man. I can't imagine him being afraid of anything. And Ricky kind of tells her, it's like, he's, when it comes to his business, he's really tough. But his personal side, he's really, really shy with his personal life. Uh, yeah, it takes him a bit to even open up. Even that revealing that he couldn't dance is just, that was a... <laughs> And she says, I noticed that he blushed every time we shook hands goodnight. So, Ricky invites her over to dinner. And she's like, well, I guess he does deserve uh, an explanation as to why I kind of dropped him. Like, yeah, I mean, just so you can explain your side of things and just say, I would like to maybe have a relationship if we can kind of, can kind of take an interest in what I like to do. Which, like I said. It's a two-way street. You gotta give a little to get a little. I even played a bit of that Pokemon game that I got Jeremy back. You know, I uh, played it with him watching me so I could have him instruct me on what to do. But he's like, you just gotta find out for yourself. I'm not gonna, like, help you all completely along the way. But, I mean, I just did it because he, he likes to do it and I just... I thought it was something that we could kind of, uh, cause he knows a bit about the Pokemon and <clears throat> I really know nothing about the Pokemon. Can't stand Pikachu. I'll say that right now. Pikachu, Pikachu. Ugh, shush. Hate, hate. Well, I don't hate Pikachu. He's cute. He's adorable, but. Ugh. So she says, I could have just sent him a memo. And then Rick says, well, we're going to have pizza. Like, all right. She's like, why didn't you say so? Okay. So, now we're at the Stratton household in the living room. He pull, Grandpa pulls out his pocket watch. He's like, oh, she's like three minutes late. She's not going to show. Like, don't worry. It's fine. I know he's a little nervous. So, Edward opens the door and in walks Rick's teacher. We'll just call her Joan. So, Edward introduces her to, of course, Kate Summers. And, of course, she already knows Rick. And Grandfather Stratton comes in. He has African violets for Joan. And she's like, oh, I didn't know they were in season. And he's like, they are in Africa. He special ordered them. 
So I'm gonna play this clip. It's so it's so cute how he gets nervous around here that he's like, I must ask you a question. Would you like a as he covers his mouth? And of course, luckily Ricky can translate as he tells her, Yeah, my grandfather would like to dance with you. Would you like to dance? I was like, Oh These are for you. Why, thank you. African violets. I didn't know they were in season. They are in Africa. <laughs> Ms. Bugden, I'm glad to see you. Really? Yes, and now without further ado or hesitation or procrastination, I wish to ask you a question. Would you... Lagadamon. Would I Lagadamon? <laughs> Would you like to dance with him? Well, that's very sweet of you, but you don't have to. I know I don't have to, but I would like to. It's not necessary. It is necessary. Then I'd be delighted. Hit it, Rick. So, yeah, she said, oh, you don't have to do that. He's like, I, I know I don't have to, but I want to. And she finally accepts, <laughs> like, just, he's saying he wants to dance. Just dance with him. And this, and I like how grandfather calls, he doesn't call him Richard like he normally does. He says, hit it, Rick. And Rick goes over to the jukebox, puts on this beautiful, beautiful song. And you see that Kate is kind of like giving direction to him, like side, side, left. There you go. And she says how he's a, a wonderful student because, you know, she and Edward and Rick are kind of watching from the side. And, um... Rick kind of mentions about, you know, two for two or something like that. And I thought he was referring to the fact, like, he brought two people together, you know, his grandfather and his teacher, which I don't believe we ever, I don't think we ever see her again. Um, and also, I thought he was also referring to the time that he also set up Edward and Kate for that dinner way back when, but, and that's pretty much how the episode ends. All right, so for the train rating for this episode... I'm, I'll give it an average three out of five. That's usually how I've been going. I thought the whole thing with Edward and Kate was cute, where she's kind of leaning against him. Her elbow's probably right in his lap. And it's just, 
it's it's a cute moment, but it's like it's like the things we do for love, right? Or like our our loved ones, you know, our significant others do for us. Um, I I thought it was cute also with um. <laughs> Grandfather Stratton like spraying the vinaka in his mouth and then of course spraying it in Ricky's mouth and he goes and asks out the teacher and also um, Kate teaching him to dance I thought that was adorable and also Edward <laughs> kissing his father in the on his, the top of his head and his father's like what did I do to literally the way he turns and looks at him like okay that was unexpected. <laughs> and of course, at the end, it was so cute with, um, you know, him asking her to dance. <clears throat> you know, I'm going to give it a four out of five. I'm going to give it a four out of five. Um, the only thing I guess I didn't really like for that, that kid, like, I already read this chapter. What can I do? I'm an overachiever and I'm rubbing it in everyone's face. Blah. Like, shut up. Uh, Silver Spoonful, I'm just going to go with this. You gotta compromise. If you, you know, you don't always have to have the same interest as another person. But maybe take an interest in something they're interested in. Even if it's not really your favorite thing. Like I said, with, with Jeremy not being a reader. And he went through that list of maybe 15 books that I made for him. And he read all those books. Some of those books were like over 400 pages long. The Mark the Lion series by Francine Rivers great amazing uh christian uh book trilogy also um another one is it's a duology it's her mother's hope and her daughter's dream they're on audible audible does not sponsor this podcast but i use it on a regular basis and i listen to that duology at least once a year and those books are at least probably 16 hours long and they're just absolutely the narration is amazing and beautiful. And, you know, Jeremy did not have to do that. It was, that was, like, right, like, right before we started dating. We were just hanging out at work, and we were working together more and talking. I'm just talking about, you know, these books I like to read. Like, oh, let me make you a list. You should really check these books out. And he did. And even the movies that I liked that weren't his cup of tea, he still watched them. Like, if that isn't a person who's taken an interest in you or is that, and that person is interested in possibly wanting to have a relationship with you, no person is going to go out of their way to do any of that stuff if they aren't remotely interested in you. So it's like, guys, it goes both ways. It really, really does. You gotta give a little to get a little, right? Right. So the next episode, we are going to jump over Village of the I think it's Village of the Darned or Village of the Damned, the two-part Thanksgiving episode. Village of the Darned, part one and two. It's a Thanksgiving episode. I will not be covering that until November. So we're going to jump ahead to season three, episode nine, entitled The Call of the Wild, which aired November 25th, 1984. So probably right around Thanksgiving. And this is, of course, we get a reappearance of Evelyn. Rick's mom. She shows up with her fiance. Man, this lady goes through guys so much. Isn't that the reason she married her ski instructor in the pilot episode? She dropped Ricky off at a military academy. Oy. So now she's with a. Ooh, my goodness. She makes plans to move in next door. 
at one point in time, this lady is not going to have any money. She probably blows through it like cray-cray and ends up having to live with the Strattons, which I think that might be in season... That's not it. Oh, good golly. This is a season five episode. The Strattons hire a housekeeper who thinks Edward is in love with him. Wait, wait, what? I'm confused. <laughs> the Strattons hire a housekeeper who thinks Edward is in love with him when it's actually Rick who's attracted to her. Who wrote this description? That doesn't make any sense. There... Maybe it's season four. Uh, poor Evelyn, yes. Uh, season four, episode three, Rick's mom comes for a visit and they discover she's broke. She refuses to take money from Edward. Rick asks Edward to give her a job and let her stay with him. On her first day, she causes nothing but problems because she's Evelyn. That's just what she does. She creates issues. She can't really say anything to Kate because Kate and Edward are now married. So that, like, you can't say anything. She always has a mild disdain for Kate. I don't know why. It's like, lady, you let him go. You divorced Edward. Or they separated on mutual terms. I don't know. But yeah, that's pretty much... That's the episode. I thought it was cute. It'll be interesting to see... Um, what in the heck am I doing on this thing? What is this? General setup? I didn't hit that button. Oh, for heaven's sake. Can I... There we go. I think I accidentally did hit the setup button on the portable DVD player. Alright, guys. I will be back on... I think I'm going to do it on Sunday for um, the Call of the Wild episode. Do you know there's an episode of Growing Pains in Season 7? I think it's also called... No. Is it called? Yeah, it is called Call of the Wild where Mike and Kate get this ski lodge and the only way to pay for it is to bring like 20 other people. <laughs> Which Ben invites, like, 20 of the wildest kids in school. Uh, yeah, and Jason and Maggie try to have a fun, romantic uh, weekend, just the two of them. But they have to deal with the neighbor's, like, security alarm that's going off right next to their house. And it's, like, making their ears bleed. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Alright. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye.